Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. Morning, everyone. Welcome to church. This is a great place to be. As you all know, or most of you know, Destiny went home to be with the Lord almost three weeks ago. This message that uh, I was asked to do is a message of hope, it is a message of invitation, and it is a message that we were working on together. The backstory to that is Destiny liked to... Um, if she missed the scripture when she was writing her notes during the sermon time, she would go and ask whoever was speaking what the scriptures were. And anyway, she was talking to Pastor Josh, and Josh just happened to ask, who is your favorite Bible character? And she said, Ruth. And uh, in the following conversation, it got put together that, hey, why don't you and your dad do a message together? So... That's why I'm here, is because of that. Anyway, this is, it's a simple message, but it is a complex message. That, that is, it's simple in the fact that the gospel is, is we make it complex by misunderstanding it, but uh, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. These words up here, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now Jesus was talking to his disciples when he said those words. But those words can also comfort us in the midst of everything that's going on because we know that he is coming back for his church and we have that hope even though that is in reference to his coming back at the end of times. We take hope between the time he said that until he comes back again. First um, Thessalonians 4.13 also says, but we do not want you to be misinformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. That's in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. My message might be a little bit all over the place this morning, but I assure you that it will be a message of hope. Hopefully it will be a message of inspiration, and finally a message of invitation if you have not decided to follow Jesus. Anyway, getting back to the story of Destiny and I working on this. So I prepared a few questions for Destiny to answer because I know that's how she liked to study. Then we were going to talk about the answers to those questions and we were going to dig a little deeper. Well, she ended up having to work at camp and she's like, Dad, I don't think I can do but maybe one or two questions. I said, that's fine. I mean, we had three weeks, right? So I thought. The beautiful thing about it was when she did pass away, her sister was going through her notes, 
and found out that she answered about eight of the questions. So at the end of the message of Ruth, I'm going to give you the insights she got into it. But prior to that, I want to paint a story of how God works in the midst of what we think may not be suitable or likable or desirable to our needs. It's, um, the, the word of God, I find, can be three things um, on three different levels, on more ways than one. But primarily the example I'm going to give you is um, in regards to Ruth, it is on an individual level. Naomi and Ruth needed God to help them through life. It is on a national level. The children of Israel were in between the judges and the kings, and they needed a way to provide for a king. And thirdly, it is on a world level. Through Ruth, through Israel needing a king, finally culminating in Jesus coming to save us. As John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved the world. So it's, the Bible is individual, it's national, and it's for the world. And that is what Ruth is about. I guess I could conclude there, but you're probably wondering what I'm really talking about. We start with the last verse of the judges. And it says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So we fast forward to Ruth and the story of Elimelech, Elimelech and his wife Naomi and their two sons and a famine in the land. They go to Moab. While they're in Moab, the two sons, who aren't very healthy to begin with, marry and each has a wife. And then the sons or the husband dies and then followed by the sons. So here's Naomi in a foreign land with no husband, no sons, two daughter-in-laws that she has to care for, which in a foreign land with no husband and no sons is a very difficult thing to do. But she did. And then she heard that the famine that was in the land of Bethlehem was over and she decided to go home. And she told her daughter-in-laws, you know, you don't have to come because where I'm going, there's no hope for you. Because she's just looking at it from a natural perspective. And she tells her daughter-in-laws uh, that they should stay home, go back to their parents, and uh, you know start their lives over again. And the, the daughter-in-law's lifted up their voices in 14 and they wept 
Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, and she went home. But Ruth clung to her. And Naomi, in verse 15, chapter 1, says, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. This next verse is probably the most familiar part of Ruth that all of us know. Even still, I'm going to read it to you. Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so and more. Also, if anything but death parts me from you. Verse 18 says, and this is, this in itself is the whole message. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. Have you been around somebody that has been so determined you can't talk them out of it? That's what that is about. She knew Ruth was going to come with her no matter what. It was a heart choice. Ruth decided, this is where I want to be. I want to go. And she probably heard a lot about the God of Israel from Naomi, her mother-in-law, and from her husband. And they probably talked about, you know, the coming out of the... the uh, land of Egypt, God rescuing them. So she had something to go on. And she wanted it. And that's kind of what we should be like when we're pursuing God. That, you know, where, where you go, I will go. I'm going to get that to that in, at the end a little bit when I read in Destiny's notes on what she had to say about it. It, um, it was pretty impactful to me. So they return to Bethlehem, and they are hungry, and Naomi is a little bit bitter because she thinks God has forgotten her, and she wanted, she wanted to be called Mara. Have you ever been some, somewhere that you just kind of want to shrink into a hole and not be called by your name, but something else? I think that's where she was at. In the midst of all this, God is working behind the scenes. Ruth is only four chapters long. But the whole gospel is in there. The word redeem, redeemer, is in there 23 times in 85 verses. It is the theme of Ruth. It is the theme, it is the theme of God, redemption. Redemption of mankind from the fall of Adam and Eve and into sin. It doesn't mean things will go easy. It doesn't mean things will always be on the up. It doesn't necessarily mean that... Uh, you know, when, when, that God is bad. When Destiny died, everybody I talked to, whether I be on the phone or in person, the first thing I said was, God is good. If I can't believe that in the bad times, there's no sense believing it in the good times. Once again, I'm ahead of myself. <laughs> So, 
we're going to be introduced next in chapter 2 to the most ruthless man in the Bible. I had to put the dad joke in there. That's, that's a, yeah, Boaz was quite ruthless until he met Ruth. That's okay. For those of you online, look it up. It's just a dad joke, Bible dad jokes. Uh, God is good. So, Naomi and Ruth knew that when it's time for harvest in the land of Israel, those who are poor or destitute are allowed to go and pick up what is left over by the workers on the farms. And that's what they did. And it got noticed by a man named Boaz. And, and Boaz like, was like, who, who is that? She's new around her. And his worker says, oh, that's, that's Ruth, Naomi's daughter-in-law. And he's like, oh, family, in a roundabout way. Uh, you know, just leave a little extra for her as she's gleaning on the fields. Uh, that night when she got home to Naomi, she told her about her experience and how much she gleaned that was extra. It worked out to about several months worth of food for a single person. So it'd be about three months worth of food for her and her mother-in-law. In other words, they're no longer broke. God is showing himself faithful in the midst of Naomi's despair. God is amazing. He is so amazing. So we go on to uh, when uh, hmm. I just lost my spot here, but As she's uh, talking to Naomi, verse 19, he says, uh, so the, she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living dead. Naomi is waking up to God's work in her life. So, she gives instructions to Ruth how to approach this situation. And uh, she tells Ruth to, to go I'll just read it here in chapter 3. It would be much simpler that way. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you? In other words, shall I not seek what is best, a family, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz, our relative, whose young woman you were? See, he is winning, winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, anoint yourself, put on your cloak, go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, go, uncover his feet, 
lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And, and Ruth is um, seeing that God is working in their lives. Says to her mother-in-law, all that you say, I will do. Sometimes we have to do things without question because we may not see the final outcomes. And Ruth is still new to the Israelite culture, but she trusted her mother-in-law. How do I know that? Because she said, where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. That's complete trust. So this all takes place, and um, Boaz is there, and he notices somebody by his feet, and he's like, who are you? And he says, I, she says, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. God spreads his wings over us. He holds us up in his strong right hand. As we were going through the internment, it was uh, in conversation with a friend of mine. I said, you know what? God has really held me up in his strong, mighty right hand this week. And it's not because I'm anybody special. But I believe that if, if, we, if we believe that God is good, even in the midst of trial, even when we don't understand, then he is still good. And as I was saying that, I said, you know, I'm waiting for the crash, like, I mean, to mourn like the world mourns. And then the thought hit me just, just like this, uh, you know, uh, she's asking Boaz to spread his wings over us, over her. That's what God does. He says time and time again in the Psalms, he spreads his wings or he gathers us under his wings. And I said, what if I never come down? What if God holds me up for the rest of my life? I mean... I, I have sorrow. I've shed tears. There's, there's the moments where you miss your loved one. Um, people like to use the word trigger. I've decided I'm not going to call my memories triggers. I'm going to call them memories. I'm not triggered by what I remember because God has been in it all. He is good in it all. My testimony for 49 years is God has looked after me even when I couldn't look after myself. Why would he stop now? This is what Ruth is experiencing. Um, God looking after her through circumstance. So Boaz tells him about a, a relative that is closer than he is who is a redeemer. And he says, I'm going to go talk to him. And if he is not willing to redeem you, then I will. As the Lord lives, it says in verse 13, chapter 3, I will redeem you. Then Ruth goes home, tells Naomi what happened. And Naomi says, wait, my daughter, in verse 18, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle this matter today. Sometimes when we're given a task, and it's not necessarily a task, but it's just something we know we're supposed to do, just do it. 
don't put it off. Um, when Destiny went to camp, she said, I can only answer maybe one or two questions. She ended up answering eight. She didn't put it off. I wasn't expecting more than one or two questions to be answered before she come home and we talked about it. So I benefit. You benefit because I'm going to tell you some of the answers too. Quite insightful, really. So Boaz goes to the gate of the city, explains the situations to the elders, and uh, the close relative says, yeah, I'll redeem the land. And then Boaz says, the day you buy the field, in verse 5, chapter 4, from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead of the, in his inheritance. How that worked was the Redeemer would buy the land back, but also would take possession of Ruth as his wife. And then when they had kids, the kid would actually not really be his, but would be the offspring of the dead husband to perpetuate the name of the family. A little bit different than our culture, obviously, but that is how it is. I'm not an expert on it. I just know it's in the Bible, and uh, it's good enough for me. So the Redeemer's like, oh, well, the land I can take? Uh, Ruth, no. Uh, you know, that's going to hurt my chances of, of perpetuating my family name. Boaz doesn't hesitate, but steps up to the plate. They exchange shoes. I was going to look into that because I remember studying about it one time, but I can't remember exactly what it means other than the fact that when the shoe is exchanged, it is like signing a contract. Um, I, for some reason, feet are important in the Bible. Jesus talks about washing feet, stuff like that. And their feet are shod with the gospel of peace. So this all takes place, and then... Uh, Boaz said to the elders and to all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malan. And Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malan, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. Ah, wow, I didn't even clue into that, but we had the child dedication. All the people here said, we are witnesses. So, yeah. It's kind of like already in the Bible in a different way, but it's good. (laughs) So, The elders say, may the Lord make the woman who's coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. It's interesting that without knowing it, they were in a way prophesying and speaking into the life of Boaz and Ruth to be successful. 
So Boaz took Ruth, became, she became his wife. He went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, because remember, Naomi is the matriarch of the family. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. Little did they know that what they were actually saying to Naomi is prophetic. As I said before, Israel was without a king and they were looking for a king. It wasn't God's best for them, but God was providing a way for them to have a king. We, we all know that Samuel, or Saul, sorry, was the first king anointed by Samuel, and it was all about appearance. And we look at the close relative, and he said, yeah, I'll buy the land. It's good for me. But no, and when he found out he had to take Ruth as well, he's like, no, not, not good. Saul was kind of like that close relative. He was man's first choice, but he was not the best choice. David, on the other hand, man after God's own heart, is the king that the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. This is all in between Judges and Samuel. So Ruth is being looked after by God. Naomi is being looked after by God. God is looking after Israel by providing them with a future king. And he's looking after the world because through the lineage of David comes Jesus, who is the savior of the world. There's three things. He'll look after us individually. He'll look after us nationally. And he'll look after us in the, through the world. He has provided a way. You have to respond to that. You have to say in your heart, that my God will be your God. Your God will be my God, sorry. I will go where you will go. You have to make the choice. Ruth made that choice very firmly, succinctly, and without doubt in her heart. So as we kind of come to the conclusion of this, I want to read verse 14 again. I just think it's so important. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then we go to the genealogy that leads to David. David. So has, it says in verse 19 or 18, these are the generations of Perez, whom we saw earlier. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. That was a situation that was all messed up, but God redeemed. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. The, the um, book of Ruth, like I said, is four chapters. 
there is so much more in that than I could ever preach in one message. But just just know that if you decide to follow Jesus, it's a conscious choice that you make. It is... um, when you make a choice, you're declaring something. You're saying, I'm, uh, we'll, we'll make it simple. Apple pie or blueberry pie? And you say, I choose apple pie because it reminds me of my grandmother and I like it. And somebody says, yeah, but the blueberry pie is really good too. No, I want the apple. You, you're firm in your choice. You know that's what you want. So when we choose to follow Jesus, we should know that is what we want to do. We want to give our lives to him, to trust in him, to go where he goes, to do what he has called us to do. So the questions that she did answer, I'm just going to read without putting my comments in it and let you hear what she said and she only had a week and a half to do these uh, before she passed. So I said, how does this book challenge you? Destiny wrote, this book challenges me to stand strong in the most difficult of times and to follow the one who can help me to become a stronger person. Where do you see God at work in this book? And she says, I see him working in three different times in this book. One is when he helps Naomi get over her husband and son's dying. The second one is when Ruth decides to stay with Naomi instead of going back to her own people and God's. I think that God was calling her to help spread the word of God. The third way is when Naomi heard that there was food in Bethlehem, she decided to go back to it. It sounds to me like God was calling her back to her home to get away from the place she was. Next question I ask, why is Ruth important in the story of the Bible and the story of Jesus? Destiny replied, Ruth is important in this story of the Bible for one reason. This is that I believe she is the main person in the book. She is representing Christians that follow him. That Naomi is then representing God. That when we decide to become followers of Christ, we don't want to live the life of before. That we want to keep following him. That when we become followers, we are pulled towards God and we want to live by his side. Then we want to follow him everywhere he goes. Go everywhere he calls us to. Go. The next question. How has it impacted you? The reply. The book of Ruth impacted me in two different ways. The first way is that I need to have strong faith to survive troubling times. The second one is that I see things he made and that I found it easy to follow him better. So the question following that. What stood out the most to you? The reply, the thing that stood out the most to me was that Ruth didn't leave Naomi's side, even when she said she could go back to her gods and her people. The last question that she answered, what would you share as the most impactful thing you have learned with others? The thing I would share with others would be follow the one true God, even in times of trouble, never doubt him and always have faith in him. 
Ruth is a book that is way more powerful than just a story of God looking after one family. Without Ruth speaking to Naomi in the way that she did, telling her that she would follow her, go home with her, and her God would be her God, and the only thing that would separate her from that would be death. Ruth is a book of invitation. I love this. The thing I would share with others would be follow the one true God, even in times of trouble, and never doubt him, and always have faith in him. If you become a Christian, if you're not a Christian, don't be fooled by somebody saying it's going to make your life better. It is going to make your life better, but not necessarily in the way that you think it will make your life better. It will make your life better because when you go through hard things, you know you have someone you can trust. When you go and in the midst of pain and suffering, you try to find peace at the bottom of a bottle, and yet you know God is still looking after you in the midst of your struggle, that's amazing. The last time I preached here, if I remember correctly, was about three, four weeks after our house fire. I'm back up here to tell you God is still looking after me, even after all this. I was asked if, you know, I you know, didn't want to do this, it was okay. I'm, I think it's important for me to be up here. Not because I have anything extra special. Because we, we do serve the same one true God. But I just want to be an example of how God can work through somebody. Alexander McLaren put it this way, peace comes not from the absence of trouble, but from the presence of God. The things that have happened to me in my life, good, bad, have kind of made me who I am. They help shape my family, they're continuing, God is continuing to shape our family. It has led us here to this church, to this group of believers several years ago. I think 18 or 19 we started coming. And both in the midst of the house fire, in the midst of Destiny's passing, you guys have been here. And that has been amazing, amazing comfort to our family. The stories we learned about destiny. Wow. Our quiet little girl that we thought was quiet was actually, you know, quite noisy. And that warmed our hearts. If I could get Jen and Jaylen to come up. I'm, as they're coming, I just want you to think about following Jesus. Think about what you've heard today. If, if it has resonated with you while we sing, and I invite you all to sing as well. They're going to sing uh, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. In your heart, 
if you make that decision, it's a simple decision. Decision. You just have to say, Lord, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I confess that you are the Christ who died and rose again and have washed my sins away. Then tell somebody. You can tell me, you can tell Pastor Josh, you can tell someone, your mom, your friend, just tell someone. So as we, as we sing, I have decided to follow Jesus, let that be a declaration let that be your choice this morning if you've never made that choice. And if you have made that choice, whether you've been walking with Jesus for a couple of days or 80 years, let it just remind you of the simple gospel. I have decided to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus no turning turning message has inspired you. I hope it has challenged you. I pray that when you make a decision that you will be solid in it and live for Jesus no matter what. It is an exciting adventure because I think if I didn't have Jesus, man, I'd be really messed up. <laughs> Lord, just Thank you for the people here. I thank you for the people online. May they know your blessings, not, not in such a way that, oh, that, that you would be glorified. May the sun shine upon them. May the rain fall as well.
in the midst of the ups and in the midst of the downs, Lord. May you be center of it all. And I just remind you, if you, if you have made a decision, if you're online made a decision, call somebody, talk to somebody. Tell them, I'm now a follower of Jesus. Where, where he goes, I will go. Where he leads, I will follow. God bless y'all.